You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouettes Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I am Tim Capper, along with the man who decided to go to to Scotland and the UK to watch the Alouettes on TV and then come back to the BD. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, buddy? Oh, not too much. And it wasn't just to go to uh, watch the game. That just happened to be a bonus. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you go to Scotland and Ireland to... Uh, get your drink on and see some beautiful countryside and all that jazz. But, uh, yeah, watching the game, uh, in, uh, in a foreign nation actually was uh, quite the experience. I must say. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. Um, because obviously with the time difference in the game being in BC, starting at 10 o'clock, uh, Eastern or local for us here in Montreal, you were, <laughs> you, you were watching the game starting at 3 a.m., uh yep. yeah i guess uh uk time uh you were in uh dublin at dublin at that time so dublin time so oh yeah that was uh interesting to say the least now had you been getting your drink on before the game came on and or do you had you do you actually try to get some sleep before the game and you got up to watch the game because i've i've done that too i've i've gone to i've gotten up to watch uh, uh an arena league game in china and i got up really early to watch the game so what, what did you end up doing no we we were we were out and about and uh you know hitting a few different places and uh finishing up with the nightcap as well so i mean i just figured okay it was i mean late enough i guess by even by irish standards it's like two o'clock in the morning i'm like well what, what's the point of sleeping now may as well just ride it right through i figured we had another hour to go so uh stayed up and yeah, once three three o'clock rolled around, fired up the computer. Uh, thanks to the VPN for uh, being able, for me being able to watch the game because the uh, streams that they had available just weren't uh, weren't quite working, and I didn't want to really didn't want to miss a thing, so had to go the VPN route, uh, watch the game as and it was just like I was watching it on TSN at home, so it was pretty neat. But just yeah, it was three o'clock in the morning. I mean, as quiet as quiet could be uh, for downtown Dublin, and uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, sitting there. Uh, watching my game and having a couple of snacks and uh it was it was a surreal experience i gotta say i, I can only imagine because you know as far as you and i know besides the guys who who run the 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 pod over in in japan uh and K, that that's that's a totally other thing if you think about it i mean that that game if that had been the case you know that that's what 15 hours 12 hours whatever it is either way that's you're, you know it's you're still getting up the next day and being able to watch it but it's like you know, Kayla with the Empire Pod, what she, what she did when she was over there, so to watch the Eskimos. Well, I think it was a crappy game, so I think she ended up not watching it until later, whatever it was. But anyways, um, yeah, I can I can only imagine what it was like. But, uh, um, you know, hey, you got to watch the game. That was the main thing. And uh, instead of uh, being mad and going to sleep, well, you were – well, that's, you, that's basically what you did anyways, right? <laughs> well – more disappointed than mad just at the outcome of the game but uh hey listen it was it was still a fun experience i'm i'm, I'm still thankful like we always say this what a time to be alive to be able to have that sort of opportunity to do stuff like that is mm-hmm. incredible i mean uh, like i said uh, unfortunately my hotel didn't quite have like i know in ireland you can watch on bt sport and i think also sky sports carries uh, cfl too if i'm not mistaken uh, so i mean to, to have those networks but unfortunately my my hotel room didn't have those channels available so you really had to go the internet route or the streaming route to be able to watch cfl games but Absolutely. the fact that we're able to do that is is absolutely incredible i mean so as far as i'm concerned like there's no excuse not to be paying attention to this league your team the players all that stuff even yeah. if you're on vacation like just you, you just got to enjoy it man yeah, and, and one of the things, too, what I had to do, because actually, uh, it's funny how you had to watch this. I, I actually had to go to the streaming route myself, Cliff, because my my internet, uh, my television provider has uh, was having a couple of, a couple, a couple of issues, um, and the stations that I normally watched it on weren't, weren't currently available. So for the first time, um, I actually went the route of TSN Direct. 
Uh, it was only like you know less than six bucks. I got to have uh, access to uh, to all five TSN channels for 24 hours, but really it was just a uh, you know pay per view type of thing for just one game. But to, to me, I didn't care because um, you know the stream was fantastic. And it, it's well worth it, in my opinion. I mean, I know how TSN started off originally and how much, way too much that they charged for it. But I think they've gotten, they, they have something where it's it's well worth it. And as I said, I was able to watch the game. No glitches, no problems. So, um, yeah, so I, as you said, you know, going back, if you, even going back to when the Alouettes first came, that, that stuff really was not readily available. So it's, we're, we're lucky today in this, in this world when, with the type of technology that we have. It, it really is amazing just to be able to do that. And uh, I don't know if anyone else in the uh, the country of Ireland was watching CFL football at that time, but uh, at least you could say like at least one person was paying attention to the Montreal Alouettes all the way from Dublin, Ireland. So uh, I guess, you know, you go me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, we have to at least mention it here before we get to the game itself is that um, if anybody who's, who's keeping track um, and for those of you who aren't, um, but it, it, you're going to find out now. Um, this is episode number 99 in our illustrious yet short careers as doing the podcast for, for the Alouettes uh, flight deck. A um, couple of ideas that we have we're hoping to do for 100. Um, it, we're, still, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how we're going to do what we want to do, but we just at least want to at least make mention that uh, we're hoping to have a a, a very special episode for next week um, to celebrate number 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty monumental achievement. I know a couple of the other uh, of our other uh, podcast brothers and sisters, they've already well passed the century mark. So I'm, I'm hoping they'll be happy knowing that uh, we finally we're about to join that club as well. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it too. The, the fact that, you know, we started this podcast. I mean, God only knows how long we thought we were going to be able to go for with it. And, when you look back and see everything that we've done so far and the, the guests that we've had on and the opportunities we've been able to have as a result of this podcast, it's been it's been a pretty incredible ride. So I'm, I'm really excited to hit number 100 next week and uh, hopefully we'll at least get another 100 out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hey, if you if you don't remember what we did on the very first show for the Alouette's Flight Deck all four plus years ago, uh, just head over to uh, to alowitzflighttech.ca or to Spotify or to uh, Stitcher or to Google Play Music or to Apple Podcasts, and they're all there. So if you get go all the way back to number one, uh, you'll be able to listen to uh, Cliffy and myself uh, start this ride. So uh, again, uh, we're hoping to have some very interesting stuff for for number one hundred coming up. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned to your to, uh, stay tuned to your uh, to your local uh, social media network. Um, <laughs> uh, the game itself. Um, I know you and I are. Uh, we have a, a couple of interesting things to say about this game. I know you and I, as we were talking about last, what we did last night and how we were just chatting, um, that we don't agree and we don't see eye to eye on a few things. But that's the that's the cool thing when it comes to fans. We're able to. Uh, have our own opinions. Uh, but the Alouettes fell short last week to the BC Lions, 25-23. And what I would consider, Cliff, it was a heartbreaking, uh, a heartbreaking game, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, everybody knows the history of the Alouettes uh, in BC. Um, you know, uh, over the last uh, 20 years, uh, they've only won, I think it's like, uh, it's like three or four games, whatever it is. Three games. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was... You know, it was a, a possible chance to to start something new, but you know, especially with the special team that we have uh, this year. Um, but you know, it, it still is a loss, but it, it's something that um, you know, it, to me, it was still it still it was still hard to swallow. Um, but um, basically, what set it up, and the, the Alouettes had a chance, uh, basically with about a minute, minute ten left on the clock. Um, they had a third down and basically a third down and one from the uh, from the three. I think it was from the three, the three or the two, uh, with two. a chance to actually make a to get a first down and to possibly punch it through to uh, and uh, to um, to go ahead in the game. Um, but on the third down gamble, uh, unfortunately, uh, third string quarterback Antonio Pipkin uh, fumbles the snap, um, but. Uh, an alert. Uh, it was it was um, 
Eugene Lewis. Yeah, it was Eugene. Yeah, an alert Eugene Lewis scooped up the ball and tried to go around and uh, to to get to the line again, uh, but also was short. Turnover on downs. Uh, Alouettes had a chance uh, to try and stop BC, um, but unfortunately, I think it was a, a DPI on Greg Reed that gave BC the first down, and that basically cemented the the game and the loss for the Alouettes. Yeah, just a <clears throat> just a really bitter pill to swallow, especially for Alouettes fans. To again, let's get get invested in these cardiac kids and. Looks like they're going to do it. Looks like they're going to actually get that win that they needed out in BC against a very tough uh, Lions team that played this team extremely tough all night long. And yeah, it, it was gut wrenching to watch. I mean, just you, you, all you needed was that one yard just to get the first down. You didn't have to score the touchdown at that point. Just get the first down. Get a fresh set of downs. If you manage to get to score the touchdown, even better. But just just get that one yard, that one yard that you need just to to get the first down. And unfortunately, Antonio Pipkin, he came in, uh, he actually had two good goal line touch. Well, he had a goal line touchdown plunge. And then an, another third and one situation, he got more than just the one yard. I think he got seven yards on the carry to move the chains. So, I mean, he looked like he was doing a pretty good job in a short yard situation. But unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes the third time is not the charm as he unfortunately misplayed the ball, uh, fell to the ground, uh, tried to recover it. He couldn't quite do it. Uh, as you said, Gino Lewis picked up the ball. He tried to run in, and he got stymied, tried to hand it off to Devere Posey, and unfortunately he was reaching for that yard, and he just they just couldn't do it. And that's that that was tough. Yeah, it was a tough. Yeah, it was tough because yeah, the, the Alouettes had a chance. Just, just unfortunate. Yeah, they had a chance to, uh, to, pause, to uh, clinch a playoff spot if they had beaten BC. Um, but, you know, obviously they, that didn't occur. Uh, with the loss, they fall to seven and six, um, but they still are in the hunt for a playoff spot um, come this weekend versus Calgary. Um, for Matthew Schiltz, it was only his his, his second start. I mean, uh, he he did quite well, Cliff, considering that the last time that he that he started for the Alouettes was at thirty three nothing shellacking um, in Hamilton at the end of the twenty was the twenty seventeen season. Um, yep, at the end of the twenty seventeen season. So. Um, Schultz, you know, he hasn't played, hasn't, hasn't really been all that much. He's been mostly the, the third down back and, and whatnot. But um, from, from, from what we saw with Schultz, um, you know, he didn't have all that many yards, but he did it a lot. It's funny. He did a lot better in the second half, and that seems to be what the Alouette's MO is this year. Um, but it's, I think he did a pretty good job considering how, how limited his time has been behind center. Without question. He really proved that he belongs in this league. Yes, he doesn't have a ton of great numbers for the game. Does unfortunately have a, an interception to his name. But the touchdown he threw to Eugene Lewis. Gorgeous. What a beauty. Yeah. And Eugene was on an island. He was all by himself. No, it was shades of that touch there was shades of that touchdown in, in uh in uh, Moncton. Yep. So No um the thing that really impressed me with Schiltze is just like, he didn't seem nervous. He didn't seem unprepared like he came into the game and i wasn't expecting him to dominate i just expected him to just follow the course that was put by, by him by kahari jones and i'd like to think that by and large he did just that he spread the ball out pretty well to his receivers got the ground go- game going hell he was the ground game at a couple of points of the yeah, game yeah uh, absolutely beautiful draw play that he nearly scored the touchdown on uh even just getting to the uh, the uh, in, into the red zone like just moving and shaking all over the place. Like, I mean, he put his feet to use. A lot of people really felt, thought that he was this one-dimensional quarterback, that he had no mobility. He couldn't get, uh, he couldn't make plays happen. But my God, Matt Schiltz really did. He, he made things happen. Like, like he balled out. And again, hats off to him. I mean, friend of the show, of course, we're going to always show him the love. But man, he, he proved that he can play in this league. He can hang in this league. And you can't ask for more than that, especially to... With Vernon Adams serving his one-game suspension, mm-hmm. all he had to do was keep Vernon's seat warm. And I like to think that, by and large, Matt did that. And he gave us a little glimpse of the future. I think if if he's given more of these opportunities, I think Matt Schultz will definitely make the most of them. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next Anthony Calvillo or Ricky Ray, but tell you what, like this young man has definitely proven that he can play in this league and definitely deserves more opportunities in the future. Yep, for sure. For the game, Schultz was 19, excuse me, 10 of 19. Uh, for only 177 yards, one interception, 
uh, one TD, but that TD was on that 97-yard uh, pass, um, that 97-yard pass to Eugene Lewis. Um, he also had um, he also had 62 yards rushing on five carries, and his longest was that 29-yard rush where he came very, very close um, to getting that touchdown. But uh, uh, overall, too, I mean, uh, looking at the stats, too, here, um, that William Stamick, even having that off week last week, I mean, where he was basically shut down for the entire game, he came back with a vengeance, didn't he, Cliff? I mean, he had 14 carries, 147 yards uh, with a 10.5 average. Oh, man. But he was showing not quite like the 200-yard game that he had against Hamilton. But, again, he's showing that just he's that kind of running back. Like He's the downhill runner that, yeah, what's neat. He puts his shoulder down. He gets those extra yards as needed. <clears throat> I mean, he he played a great game. Like He definitely reminded everybody what a what a talented player he is. For Matthew Schultz to get himself involved in the running game, to get Stanback in involved in the game, getting Jeremiah Johnson in the game, like this ground game, and something that the Alouettes have gotten away from over over the past couple of years, that's been reintroduced now. And now this is, gives another wrinkle for teams to have to plan for. Yes, the Alouettes, their receivers are absolutely dangerous, but you cannot sleep on this running game because. Guys like Stanbeck and Johnson will definitely make you pay over and over again. And when Vernon Adams gets out there and his educated feet get moving, and now we see Matthew Schiltz can get out there and uh, juke and jive with the best of them. Tell you what, folks, this is uh, once the, this just proves just how dangerous a team this Montreal Alouettes can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Eugene Lewis was the, the leading receiver for the team. Uh, he was uh, uh, four targets, three three receptions, 114 yards at one touchdown. Um, also, it was uh, Devere Posey. Uh, he had uh, the 50 yards on four receptions and six targets. Um, other than that, not very, not very much. I mean, as I said, you know, Schultz did, did what he could do. Um, you know, considering at first, the first half was just, it's, it just seems to be a broken record recently about the first half. Just they just did not do very well, um, but he did. You know he came out like he needed to do, and it's uh, um, again unfortunately they did get the loss. I mean when you're going up against Mike Riley, who's had an off year this year. Um, I mean Riley only had four incompletions, 309 yards. But, but he basically, but the team basically held John White in check. So it's um, you know they they really did what they could do, but. Uh, um, you know, it, it just seems to be that the, the Owls, whether it be one thing, if you don't have another passing, they're able to get the running game back in order. And, uh, uh, you know, Hey, maybe we need to have some of these players on more often here with Cliff, because it seems to be that some, most of the time, whenever, whenever they have, whenever they come on the pod, they always seem to have a very good game afterwards. Absolutely. I talk about it all the time. The podcast karma, like we'll show you the love. We'll give you the chance to let people get to know you, get to experience who you are. And believe it or not, it does rub off. You look at guys like Eugene Lewis had a monster game after coming onto our podcast. William Stanbeck, just uh, while we, I was in uh, Scotland, he comes on the podcast, boom, 140-plus yards rushing. Uh, Vernon Adams came on during preseason, like just at the, towards the end of training camp. Look at the year he's having. I'm not saying it's only because of us, but you know what? Good karma is what it is. You 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 get back what you put out into this world. So these guys that come onto the podcast, they come on here, we have fun with them, and then they go and they play outstanding games. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence anymore. I, I really do believe in the podcast karma. And uh, I tell you what, uh, any players that are listening right now, if you haven't been on the show yet, let us know. We'll, we're more than happy to put you on. We'll have you here for a little chat, and uh, you just never know when that podcast karma is going to come and strike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I've got to you know at least talk about Tommy Campbell. He he led the team with uh, seven tackles. Hinak Mwamba had six. Uh, Patrick Levels had five. Uh, Tevin Floyd had five. Uh, Woody Barron had four. What's funny, by the way, it's the first time in quite a quite a while, um, is that Greg Reed did not have a single tackle. Um, he was involved in quite a bit. You know, so unfortunately, some DPIs. I think he had two DPIs on the night, but um, yeah, it's very strange for for him not to have a single tackle. Yeah, I'm, I was a little surprised to see that as well. But uh, like you said, he evolved in other aspects of the game. Uh, still very much a threat, but I definitely think that uh, the Lions. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say the game plan for him necessarily, but they. I think they had to see what he's been doing this season, and they definitely had to uh, at least 
be somewhat prepared for him. So they, for the most most part, the offense was able to keep Reed in check. And uh, again, another part of the, the growing experience, the learning experience for him. Uh, like you said, a couple of uh, unfortunate uh, DPI penalties. Uh, wasn't necessarily say sank the Alouettes, but I mean, it definitely put them in a hole. And then also, too, that pretty much is what iced the game for Montreal was uh, the DPI uh, at the at the very, not at the very end, but very close to the end of the game. Yeah, so yeah. It, it is what it is. Yeah, no, that that that's that is, that is true. Um, let me. See. There was something else I wanted to, to mention here. Um, just no. No, no, don't remember what it was. <laughs> oh, I do. Um, John Bowman getting his first regular season INT. Um, he, he, I, it's funny. Uh, we spoke to him last night, and we'll mention that a little bit more in a couple of minutes. Um, but he also mentioned it on television also, I think, during the, the post game that, uh, you know, he has had it because they mentioned on TV it's his first career interception. Well, he's had one in the playoffs, as they mentioned before, too. So, uh, but still, it was still cool seeing John Bowman uh, get into uh, uh, the, the ball hawk and, and being a, being kind of a, a getting, especially getting that, that, thieving that ball from, uh, uh, from Mike Riley like he did. Oh, yeah. I, I was joking about the fact that, as you know, I, on this uh, trip to uh, Scotland and Ireland, we took a, uh, little John Bowman along with uh, with us, uh, one of his bobbleheads, posting him in different pictures and everything like that. And I laughed because the Alouettes Twitter people were wondering, is Bowman going to be okay? Is he going to be arrested, ready to go for the game? And sure enough, that that first quarter, he has a couple of a couple of sacks. He uh, has an INT. I'm like, I think the vacation did him a, I think it did him a world of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anything else? Anything you want to bring up, Cliff, about the game? I know we have a couple of things we want to talk about. I don't know if you're going to mention what what I know I want to talk about, but uh, anything anything else that that stood out to you? I mean, I know there was a couple of things that helped the Alouettes. See, there was that Deron Carter penalty that kind of helped the Owls along in the fourth quarter. Um, I guess Deron Carter being Deron Carter. Um, anything? Unless you want to bring it up, what, anything you want to you mention about the game stuff before we get to the uh, to the grading of our, the team for the for the game versus BC. Well, uh, the one thing we can't overlook is uh, after Matthew Schultz scored the touchdown to make it uh, 25-23, uh, they went for two to try and tie the game. And I'm certainly had they gotten that tie, that t- those tying points, that definitely would have affected a lot. Uh, it's just unfortunate because Devere Posey actually made a beautiful catch to get the two point convert. Yeah, but they ruled him incomplete. And, of course, going to the command center because all scoring plays are reviewed, including two-point converts. They looked at it, supposedly looked at it from a number of angles and was unable to uh, determine that he did actually make the catch. But uh, Garbage. Garbage! Yeah. Complete garbage because from every angle that I saw, like, there was no possible way. Like, he had com- control of the ball. It did not touch the ground whatsoever. Uh, again, I, it just, makes me wonder if they were just centering on him, the ball coming out of his hands as he was going to the ground. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, listen, this this is just one of many, 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 many examples of the CFL Command Center just not getting it right. Yeah. I'm not saying getting, necessarily getting it wrong, but it wasn't right. And it is what it is. <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing else to say, but without question. Uh, had that those two points counted and the game was uh, twenty five all, I definitely think you would have seen uh, a lot different gameplay, and uh, I, I definitely think both teams would have adjusted uh, uh, just everything. Really, I, I think we definitely would have seen what could have been an even more thrilling finish, but uh, just wasn't meant to be, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can't talk about it. I mean, even when we talk to some of the players too, it's not like you know they don't t- talk about just one thing in particular. They you know they know what the reaction, what what how they feel about it, um, with us being able to talk to some people. But, but yeah, that that was that was a hard pill to, to swallow. But then again, unfortunately, uh, as we had mentioned before off air and to others, is that once they called it incomplete. It's very, very tough, very, very slim that they're actually going to be that they're going to overturn something like that. Um, it, it makes me wonder, you know, if there was another camera angle that we didn't see because they have to have available access to all, however many cameras there are. But it, it makes it makes you wonder how many camera angles were there available to them uh, that was centering on, on the ball itself, you know, from the sideline itself, I guess, uh, to uh, 
to try to determine what it was. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. I mean, I'm sure the game may have been, very, as you said, been very different if they'd actually got that two-point convert and tied the game at 25. Yeah. And as you talk about how it's unfortunate the CFL, unlike the uh, the Arena League or the Alliance of American Football, they don't take you into the the whole process of trying to determine the calls that are made. I would have loved to have heard that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd like to see what's going on in Toronto, seeing how they saw it and how they were able to determine like just, just what kind of camera angles that were there and if they were able to truly determine. And that's the thing, too. Like, if you show us that, listen, here's the proof over and over again. This is exactly what we saw, and this is how we were able to come to that conclusion. Fine. we may not. You, you may not like it if you're a fan of the Alouettes, but at least you can you know, walk away saying, okay, well, at least they determined it and they showed sufficient proof that this was an incomplete pass. But we never, we, we don't, we don't get that. We just get, well, it's an incomplete pass. So we don't have anything that says otherwise. So uh, there you go. That's yeah, it. Exactly. So it's, uh, it just, it just makes it unfortunate. And I'd be saying the exact same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. If BC had scored the two point convert to tie the game. Oh, yeah. And there was like a shroud of controversy surrounding it. I'd want, again, well, it's, Fair like, it's like earlier in the game, earlier in the day with the with, was it the uh, Edmonton uh, Ottawa game? They had a, a very similar situation also on a, on a touchdown that was called uh, it was a touchdown that was they called it a touchdown. They confirmed or whatever it was, and you don't you, you know what I'm talking about? Oh no, you maybe maybe you don't. <laughs> I probably don't because as I said, I, when I was in Dublin at that time, while the game was going on, I was probably getting your drink on, get my drink on. <laughs> <laughs> but there was something similar. There was something similar in that game. Where they they called it a touch, I think they called it a touchdown, and it really did not seem that it was a touchdown. You probably have to go back and check the uh, check check the uh, um, the the things there. So, uh, but in, in either case, though, I mean, it just again, it just comes down to being consistent when when it comes to the CFL command center. It's uh, it's one of those things. I know it's a, a constant work in progress. You're never going to get it 100 percent right, but again, it just comes back to if you just took the viewers into the booth, showed them what you're seeing, how you're coming to these conclusions. I, again, you're, you're not going to like everything that you hear or see, but at least you'll have a better understanding as to why the calls were made as opposed to just, well, this is what we determined and that's it. Like I, To me, I, I, I think it would make for a much more interesting experience to watch a football game. And as well, you walk away feeling a little bit more educated as far as the process goes. Right. No, no. Yeah, that, that, that's true. That's true. Um, the other the other thing that occurred, and I, this is something that there's a lot of contention, I think, with some fans and myself and you and I, how we feel about this thing, was the actual, the the, the call that Kahari Jones made uh, with the, that, that minute left uh, on that third and one uh, with the Owls back by, back by two, um, the actual call itself and, and what was done. Um, I have said um, on social that I felt that uh, I don't think that Kahari should have gone for um, for the first down. Um, whether they had gone for it anyways and made it, I still, I'm sure I would have said the exact same thing. Um, it's just that you're on the road, you're in a place where um, where you uh, where you've not won very much at all over the last 20 years and you have a chance to to go ahead and clinch a spot and uh and make the playoffs I, in my opinion i really think that coach jones uh should have gone for the field goal put the alouettes up by one yes i do understand that mike riley was having a hot night um but and this is something that i had heard i think on one of the other pods too but what was said incorrectly is that you know, under three minutes now in the CFL, after a field goal, you have to kick the ball off. Who's to say that the Alouettes were able, would be able to first either one uh, bid eight, maybe making a single? Uh, that would have been huge. Or stopping them uh, deep in their own end um, and and having to get because that would even run some more time off the clock that you know from there. So, uh, but yes, I do understand that Riley is hot, and then maybe they would have done a. You know, the Owls may have lost by a field goal if that was the case. But, I mean, they, they had all the momentum because they'd blocked one earlier in the game. Um, I really think that that was the wrong the wrong uh, play to do. Um, there's an, my other thoughts on it that we'll talk about in a minute here, but Cliff, but I want to know what, what your thought is on, 
on that play that that was uh, was how the, that's why the game ended the way that it did. Well, I respectfully disagree with you. I think Kahari made the right call to go for it on first uh, on third down to go to go at least to try. As I said, you didn't necessarily have to get the touchdown. All you had to do was just get one yard and get a first down. You get a fresh set of downs on the one yard line of your opponent. That would kill a lot more time. Uh, even if you, God forbid, they imagine a goal line stand. Imagine to stop the team or stop the Alouettes two more times from scoring. At that point, you can go for the field goal, and then you've bled more. You should hopefully have bled more than enough time off the clock that maybe even getting the ball back would be next to impossible for the BC Lions. And yes, giving the ball back to Mike Riley with less than a minute to go, especially the fact of the way he was connecting with his receivers, guys like Deron Carter. Brian Burnham, who had a monster game for the the BC Lions. Lamar Durant made some outstanding catches against Montreal. I mean, these guys were clicking. And the defense, I I, I won't say they're gassed. And I won't say they've been playing lackadaisical. But they they were getting figured out pretty well by the end of this game by the, the BC offense. And I had a feeling that if you give Mike Riley just a little bit of rope, He's going to find a way to use it, not to hang himself, but necessarily, necessarily but to, to hang you. And Mike Riley is not the kind of guy you want to give any sort of time and space to work with. So as far as I'm concerned, you have to go for the jugular. You have to prove your dominance. And I I, I think that it was definitely the right call. It's just unfortunate that the uh, the the snap either the snap was done poorly or Pipkin just played the ball poorly. Uh, I mean, it's just a series of unfortunate events during that particular sequence, but it definitely was the right call. Nine times out of 10, you at, at the very least get the first down, get a fresh set of downs. And if you happen to score a touchdown, so much the better. At that point, you would have given Mike Riley one minute and you, you can't force him for a field goal. You, he would have to go for the touchdown. And yeah, you still would need your defense to step up like they never have before. And I, I'm confident they would have. But God forbid if Kahari went for the field goal, they go up by, I think they'd be going up by one point. At least one, yeah. At least one. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. They would have to, like, at that point, the Alouettes would still have to kick the ball off. And hey, maybe if you do get that single, so much the better. But that's a big if, because we know with Boris Bede, like some of his kicking, when he's on, he's on. And he actually played a pretty decent game this past Saturday. But... Again, this is asking a lot of your special teams as well to be able to make that stop and, and try to pin them deep. But even then, you're still giving Mike Riley just that just enough of an opportunity to get back into the field goal range. And imagine if that had happened, BC Lions kicked the field goal. I guarantee you Kahari would have been roasted for settling for the field goal. I think in the at the end of the day, even though it didn't work the way he wanted it to or the Alouettes wanted it to, he made the right call to go for the go for the win, essentially. Not just to trying to squeak by and get out of a BC place just by the, the skin of their nose. They wanted to set a statement. They wanted to prove that these guys are winners. And by going for it, going for the touchdown to at least, or at least get to try to say, try just get the first down. If you at least be able to do that much, that, that says a lot. That shows how much confidence you have in your offense, how much confidence you have in your team is total. And it just makes the statement that yes, we are here. We are serious and we want to win football games. And I think that's what Karahari was trying to come across with, with that message. And I think it came through loud and clear. Even though the even though the end result wasn't exactly what people wanted, I, I think it showed that he proved that he believes in his guys and that he's definitely serious about winning, and he'll do what it takes to, to achieve that goal. I said, we're going to agree to disagree on this one. I also think, too, that... Um, and while I do understand that Pipkin had a... Uh, had a uh, a good game, I guess, up to that point. Uh, I still think that also that being that um, being that he has not been the the third down rusher for most of this season. Uh, you know, went to Matt Schiltz. Um, I while I understand, it, it just seems to be. I mean, what's going to happen next year? You know, I, I would think of thinking what's going to happen next year when the teams are going to be able to have two quarterbacks on their roster. This would have been the time of, I, I, that I still think that Matt Schilt should have taken this. It would have been a surprise, I think, not only to, to the Lions that somebody doesn't come, but Schilt seems to be able to do what he, he what he can do. Especially, he was able to, to do it for most of the year. Um, unfortunately, I think Pipkin, if I remember correctly, has fumbled his fair share of third and ones in his career in Montreal. 
enough so that I I really I put him into the same category as a uh, longtime Al's backup uh, Adrian McPherson. He did the exact same thing. I was trying to get the actual numbers to see where they where they were uh, where they ranked to each other or where it, how many they had, but uh, I'm I'm confident in saying that. I really am. I really think it should have been Schultz. Uh, if they were going to, you know, if they had, again, if they, that they had decided to go and go that direction, um, uh, I just don't think at that point. I think you, uh, and yes, it's possible that Schultz could have fumbled. Uh, that the, the, that they could have come off badly. Also, I do understand that, but uh, I still think Schultz uh, should have given the shot to go ahead and try that. Uh, uh, that because he did it during the game too. So I mean, it's. I, I I just don't get it. I, I still think that it's something that that Schilt should have done. Yeah, I think that was one instance where Kahari might just it might have been overthinking things just a little bit. I think if he had just you said, you know what, kid, you've gotten this this far, you've proven that you're a very mobile quarterback. All we need you to do is just dive forward, just get that one yard, get the first down, and hey, if you manage to get into the end zone as a result, so much the better. That that means you'll have two rushing touchdowns, which is pretty awesome for your. First CFL start in almost two years. Uh, again, this is just, uh, as I said, a, a series of unfortunate events. Uh, I mean, it, it sucks for Pipkin as well because I know he's been wanting to reestablish himself. He wants to prove that he belongs and he wants to contribute on this team. But unfortunately, like this 2019 season has not been kind to Pipkin. Uh, just uh, the, the unfortunate first start against the Edmonton Eskimos, uh, then he gets hurt. Basically loses his job for uh, the the brunt of the season. Comes in relief for Vernon Adams when he gets concussed. Uh, he didn't look prepared at all. Uh, didn't look prepared either when he got his start against the Saskatchewan Roughriders during that uh, weather-shortened game. And now this to add on to the ledger. Like it's, I'm not trying to pile on Pipkin. Don't uh, don't take it as anything other than that. Uh, it's just as I said, these are just things like things that just all add up and just makes you wonder why. Kahari didn't stick with uh, Matt Schiltz to get that uh, either game-winning touchdown or at least get the first down. But again, as a coach, he he believes in his players. And based on the success earlier that uh, Pipkin had as far as getting a first down, getting a goal-line touchdown, he had to feel confident. Like, okay, let's let Pipkin get in and be the hero. And unfortunately, no, he now has to wear the goat horns, which is, like I said, just it sucks. It really sucks that it came to that. I know he got, you know, roasted online for it. And I mean, it's just an unfortunate thing. And again, I I really hope he's taking this as a learning experience and he just finds ways to do better and be better as a result. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Uh, How would it? Let's go and get the, the. The um, the ratings for the team this week, uh, Cliff. How would you uh, h- how would you rate how would you grade the the team's offense this week? Well, uh, considering that it wasn't Vernon Adams leading things, it was Matt Schiltz in his first go. I think overall, it like most Alouettes games, it starts slow, but uh, finally got the points going. So I'd give it a solid. Uh, I'd give it a solid C. I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't fantastic, uh, as you said. The the numbers for Schultz was, wasn't great, but uh, when he did finally get going, I mean, he looked in control. Uh, the rest of the offense moved pretty well. They made plays happen. Uh, definitely made for some exciting football for the most part. So uh, I, I I'd say yeah, I think C like a, a good average would be uh, would be the way to go with this. Yeah, I mean, scoring what they did, you know, despite what happened at the end. Uh, block uh, well that's the defense the special teams but um, yeah I'd probably go just a, a slight lower probably maybe a C, mid C C and I I, I want to give them mid range C but not a not a C minus but not a C plus so can I give them a C minus plus or plus minus or um, just a C like I did yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I probably would go that route also uh, what about the defense defense I would have to go C minus for sure I mean they they kept the LOS in the game. Uh, they the, the first half they they looked pretty solid. They kept managed to keep uh, things under control. But uh, as I said, it just looked like uh, by that fourth quarter they were they were getting figured out and didn't seem to make the adjustments that was necessary. I still I'm not seeing as many uh, explosive plays that that we've been so accustomed to seeing over the past few weeks, and it's kind of dovetailed a little bit. So I don't know if. 
teams really are paying attention to Bob Slowick's defense and just trying to figure out how to control them. Like, I, I, I don't want to say they're getting exposed, but I mean, it's uh, or figured out necessarily, but it, it's kind of looking that way. And eventually this is going to have to change. Like now there's definitely more than a film on the Alouettes. Like the first couple of games, you can catch everybody by surprise because you don't know what to expect from this uh, first year defensive coordinator. But now we're three quarters of the way into the season. Like you, you pretty much know what to expect now from this defense. So unless you start mixing things up and start showing some, a few different looks, uh, I mean, teams are going to figure it out pretty quickly. And I kind of got the feeling towards the end of that game, like throughout the fourth quarter, like they were just, uh, they were just getting, I don't want to say owned, but they were definitely getting pushed around a little bit. And there was no pushback either. Like they were just, it almost felt like they were playing, playing prefend defense for a good good portion of the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably be leaning more towards C minus as far as this defense goes. Uh, I probably would go with, with that route also. It uh, it wasn't concerning. Um but you know there were a couple of, a couple of, a couple of issues that it was like it's like I was like oh that needs to be fixed oh that needs to be fixed uh, I mean the defense did keep them in the game uh, the one pick obviously by Bowman but obviously with the how inept at the beginning of the game that the the the, the offense was um, it kind of stymied the Owls and also the defense the defense at the at the end of the first half too Cliff kind of kind of worried me too because. It always seems to be, it's like, uh, you know, they, they, unfortunately, the Owls think the Owls went two and out, and BC drove down and was able to get another field goal, and that three points, as we found out, made a huge difference, even though the Alouettes did come back and, you know, come out like gangbusters in the second half, but, um, yeah, I, I would probably go the same route you would. I, 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 can't, I don't think I can go any lower, and I don't think I'd go any higher. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, this was not a terrible game overall, but it was very very middling, very mid-range as far as play on both sides of the ball. And, uh, yeah, there, at least there's a few exciting moments. And, yeah, of course, we wish the Alouettes would have won the game as opposed to losing the game. That's normal. But uh, I'd say, by and large, it still ended up being an okay game. Not fantastic. This is definitely not one that will be, uh, you know, saved on the PVR or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um. Before we head into the uh, the preview of the the game this week versus uh, the home game versus Calgary, um, I know we mentioned where we where the podcast can be found, all of our archives, uh, but also want to uh, at least mention too that uh, we are on social media. Uh, you can find us over at uh, Alouettes FL Deck on Twitter, or look at search us uh, for uh, on Facebook at uh, just search for Alouettes Flight Deck. Also, if you want to find uh, if you just want to follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Cliff at, at Cliffy D, and you can follow me at Repact. It's R E P P A C T. Um, as uh, some of you may know, that this show is uh, a day late than usual. Uh, it's not because uh, it's it's our Tuesday to Wednesday switch, uh, but it happens to be uh, a Thursday night when we're taping this. But most likely because uh, most most mostly because of the event that we attended last night. And uh, I'll, Cliff, I will let you take the lead on this one. All right. Well, last night uh, in downtown Montreal, uh, the Alouettes, uh, well, actually, I should say uh, the Off the Hook Boutique, in conjunction with the Montreal Alouettes and John Bowman, had a little soiree uh, promoting uh, John's uh, clothing line, so to speak. Uh, the Off the Hook uh, Boutique has put together uh, a limited edition line with uh, featuring John Bowman as uh, not just their uh, their star, so to speak, but also uh, you find uh, paraphernalia with uh, his name and number on the back, uh, as well as other really funky-looking T-shirts, uh, sweatshirts, and what have you. Uh, so they had a little, uh, I don't want to call it a pop-up shop necessarily, but they had a little display put up, and uh, fans were invited to come check it out. The little meet and greet with uh, Bowman, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun evening because uh, not only was uh, John Bowman there, but uh, a few of his teammates showed up as well, unannounced, and decided to uh, you know show support, show, show some love for for the big man, and uh, end up being a, a pretty fun evening. We got to chat with uh, quite a few guys on defense. Uh, a couple of the quarterbacks showed up as well. It uh, it made for a very uh, very fun evening. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, from uh, uh, I. I it, Correct me if I'm missing some people. We had Greg Reed there. Uh, we had Hinek Mwamba. Uh, Offensive-wise, we had our currently current starting quarterback, uh, Vernon Adams. We had um, uh, Antonio Pipkin. 
there was also you uh you know gene lewis um who else am i forgetting I, um as i said it was mostly the defensive guys uh, chris ackie was there uh woody woody baron uh ryan brown showed up as well uh nate anderson uh draft pick for the alouettes this year he uh he showed up uh Let's see, Antonio Simmons was there. Uh, Fabian Foote came out as well. I said mostly, most of the defensive guys, which I guess is not a surprise considering John Bowman is the defensive captain of this uh, Alouettes team. So of course they're going to show their uh, their legend, uh, show them show them some love, show them some respect. Uh, but it's pretty awesome too that a uh, couple guys on offense. Uh, Spencer Wilson was also there with Spencer his Wilson, yeah. with his uh, lovely wife and uh, and child. And uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was more defense and offense, but uh, it was really awesome that the uh, a lot of his teammates uh, showed up and uh, and you know wanted to support uh, Bowman in this uh, pretty awesome adventure. So uh, it was pretty neat. Uh, well, it was really nice too. Uh, Antonio Pipkin was there, and uh, I was very happy because I was able to at least go and talk to him and just let him know that look, it, it sucks what happened to you. I, I know it wasn't a good look initially that. Uh, he didn't speak with the media after the game, but he did eventually go on social media and he owned up to what had happened Saturday night. He apologized to the media afterwards during, I think after the first uh, practice session this week. And I'm, I was really happy to see that. I just wanted to let him know that, you know, it's definitely appreciated uh, the fact that he was able to man up and, and own it basically. And that's all, that's all you want. Like everybody makes mistakes. It's how you react to them afterwards. That defines who you are as a person. And, he knew he knows he's got to be better and he's committed to getting himself better and to work hard not to make mistakes like that again. And that's all you can ask for from anyone on this team is like you make a mistake, you own up to it and just go back and work hard and be better. And I, I'm convinced this is going to be a good learning experience for Pipkin going forward for the rest of the season. Well, the whole Pipkin thing, and I understand why you did it. And I didn't, I didn't think you were, we were talking about it before he came in and I was surprised he actually mentioned something, but um, it, it, it is, you know, yes, he later on ap- apologized to the media, but my thought is, I understand he's a young guy, that I understand, but you are, you know, things occur in sports, things occur in life. If you're just going to ignore them and not man up and not take, take responsibility for them at that point, you know, I understand what he did later. Uh, but it, it's it, you're not you don't come off as being a professional or a leader that way when you do something like that when something happens just happens to go wrong for you and you are unfortunately the reason why or one of the reasons why the Alouettes lost the game um, you can't do that Cliff you you really can't I mean it's I, I again I understand he apologized afterwards I, I need to read the story that from uh, uh, from um, from Herb. Uh, Zerkowski, because I know he he interviewed him. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but still, um, you know, you, you need to take responsibility there and then, and not hide or walk away from. You know, can you believe how, he would get? He would have gotten roasted in New York. He would have gotten roasted in 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 Saskatchewan. Oh, he definitely would have gotten roasted. Uh, I also think too, he wouldn't have been allowed to to duck away like that in Saskatchewan. I think you, you'd have no choice but to face the music right there and then if you were in Saskatchewan. <laughs> You're playing for the Rough Riders and you essentially cost your team a game like that. Yeah, you would be have to be you'd have to be front and center right away. Yeah. I, again it's it's I understand a young kid, but you know, unfortunately it, it does happen, but he, he needs you need to take onus for it right there and then. That's the main thing. And that that thing's that's one of the things that kind of kind of achieve me i mean you know kind of pissed me off because you know if he had say for instance if he had been our current and we'd be doing as well as we are and he was our current current starting quarterback as an example you still need to take take full responsibility you need to be a leader you need to be a professional that's what you're getting paid for so yeah and no better example of that than vernon adams how many games has the yellowwoods lost this season that were close and vernon was their front and center and he faced the music too he he stood up and how many times has he said I got to be better for me. I got to be better for my teammates. I got to be better for the fans. I got to be better. Like he keeps telling everybody he's got to be better and he plays phenomenal football, but yes, he does make mistakes. He's a human being. He's not perfect, but he owns it. Uh, Matt Schiltz. There's been times too in the past where he hasn't uh, played his best football. He, he didn't shy away from it. He owned it up as well. And I, I really want to believe that Pipkin kind of looked at things well after the fact. I understand it, it's frustrating 
end of the game like that, you're you're pissed off. You, you you basically cost the team a victory, a chance to clinch a playoff spot. Because again, had Montreal won the game, yes, they would have been given. They would have finally gotten their playoff berth. And it sucks to know that you basically cost your team that. But uh, yeah, it, it, I, again, my my hope right here, though, especially with this kind of season Pipkin's been having, I really hope he takes this as a learning experience. He goes with it. He grows from it and becomes better as a result. I mean, that's that's really all we can hope for. I mean, we can sit and piss and moan about it until the cows come home, but nothing's going to change in that regards. Uh, we just we just have to hope that he he accepts what he's done. Uh, to me, as far as I'm concerned, the fact that he did, even though it was a little bit later than expected, it should have been right away. I agree with you, but uh, eventually he did come around. He did apologize for his actions uh, for costing the game and. As far as I'm concerned, he did what he had to do a little bit later, but he he did what he had to do to show that he he cares about this team, that he realizes what he did was wrong. And at this point, the best thing to do is accept it and move forward. Yeah. And which is that's that's what I'm going to do. Obviously, it's it's we're fans where, you know, we're we're able to to give our our point of view and stuff like that. And it's um, but again, just like that, I'm going to just uh we're going to go on. We're going to go on to the next game, Cliff. And you know, we're, we're you know, every game, every week is is one and zero. That's all. That's all that we hope for. So, uh, can't you know, we can't uh, can't dwell on it that much. It is what it is. It happened. He, he made amends. You know, uh, just you know. Anyways, well, I will. I will. I said I, I will continue from there. So, <laughs> yeah. Listen, you, uh, again, last night he could have he could have been a jerk to us, uh, especially. You know, maybe didn't want to talk to fans and want to say that, but he was—he was a good guy. He oh yes. came, he came through. He and again, I, I was honest with how I felt about things with him. I was, you know, I'm obviously willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And by and large, like when we we chatted, like he he knew it. He knew he had to be better than that. And uh, again, I, I really believe he's going to use this as a learning experience to to better himself. So that's all he can really ask for at this point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going, uh, you know, the team looking to go one and zero each week. We got a a tough game coming up this week. Uh, playoff, playoff, um, playoffs. Uh, the the scenarios for this week are: is if the Alouettes win or tie, they will clinch a playoff spot, and most likely it would be a home playoff game. Um, at Percival, oh, it, it, yeah, it definitely will be a yeah, home playoff game. Yeah, at Percival Molson, so. Um, but the thing is, Cliff, it is against a, it is a, I don't know how they're going to come into this game, but this is a, a Calgary team that, yes, they're 13 and one coming off of a bye as, you know, Bo, as Bo, since Bo Levi has been their starter. Um, but it's, it's a, it, it is a team that seems to, how do I say this? Um, it is a team when they come into Montreal. There seems to be a little bit of a uh, do we call it a nightlife curse? I, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know what to. I, I don't know how to to categorize it uh, when 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 they come into Montreal. Well, it's funny. And we spoke with again Spencer Wilson last night, a former Stampeder. Uh, he's been down this road numerous times, coming to Montreal every year and playing in these games where Calgary has won very few of. Uh, and I said, I, I asked him point blank, like, what, in your opinion, what do you think the deal is? And again, he can only speak for himself because, like, he he's not about the, you know, going out for the nightlife and everything like that. Like, he's there to do a job. Like, to him, he's there to do a job. He's there to work. Not everybody feels that way. Some people get tempted by what Montreal has to offer as far as the nightlife goes and, you know, just what the city offers. Uh, I won't go into too many sordid details, but uh, I can see how most impressionable young football players can get uh, sucked into that uh, vortex. And then the next day you've got a football game to play and you don't always play your best. And yeah, it's easy to think that, well, maybe uh, people were just enjoying Montreal a little too much. And uh I don't know if it's going to be the same this year in Cal- with this particular Calgary Stampeders team, but uh, one thing I do know for sure, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell has only won one game in his career at Percival Molson Stadium, and I know he wants to add to it. Like Even though he was injured for most of this season, he has not skipped a beat since coming back at Labor Day. 
And I think he's going to want to continue to prove that he is that guy, that he is that elite quarterback that we all expect him to be. Yeah. And it's going to be a fun game because you've got Vernon Adams who will be coming back from his suspension. Yeah. I know he's raring to go. Like he's chomping at the bit to get back out on the field and prove that he still is that very much that exciting, dynamic player as well. So this is going to be a very fun matchup. Yeah, you got Bo, I see you got Bo Levi coming in, hasn't won that many. The Alouettes have won 10, 7 out of the last 10 in Montreal. Um, Vernon Adams is coming back, as he said, from his uh, one-game suspension. He's going to have family in the crowd for him. He was very, I was talking, about it, t- talking to him last night about it, he was very hyped about having somebody because he feels that whenever he has family in the in the crowd, he plays his best games. Um, also, he can also build on Cliff because, yeah, sure it was. I think it was the last game of the season and Bowley I may not have been playing. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and check. But back in 2016, I think is when it, when he was first starting for the Gals, uh, he actually does have a, a, have a start under his belt versus this same Calgary team. And he did win that game. Versus the versus the stamps uh, back into back late in uh, the season of twenty sixteen, uh, but right. he did beat them seventeen to seventeen to eight. So um, it, it, he had the, uh, the team has a lot of things going for them. So it should be a very very interesting matchup. I will admit uh, on the for the game at which will be at four o'clock on Sunday. Uh, sorry, Saturday. Um, <laughs> But also, by the way, uh, the when it comes to the lines for the game, currently, currently according to Five Dimes, uh, the Owls are a home dog. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. No. Uh, they're a home dog. They are. I think it's less than actually what it was for the uh, for the Winnipeg game. Uh, they're only a three point underdog to the Calgary Stampeders, uh, with the current over under of uh, fifty one points. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I think a, a lot of the a lot of the respect, though, I think that when they come to certain lines, also has to go back to that game back in uh, in July, yeah. uh, that exciting uh, double overtime thriller where the Montreal Alouettes finally won their first game at McMahon Stadium in a decade. I'm pretty sure that's that's going to be weighing on everybody's mind, especially Calgary. Like they got embarrassed in their own house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great game. Good game. And. But again, it's something they're not accustomed to doing is losing to the Alouettes at home. So they're definitely going to want to return the favor. They're definitely going to be going into this game with a chip on their shoulder. And Vernon is definitely going to be going in extremely hyped, not just because he's got family in the crowd, but and as he stated to us last night, too, I, I reminded him, you are 2-0 and versus this Calgary team. He said, yeah, but I, I haven't beaten Bo Levi yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's he's motivated with that. Like, you talk about iron sharpens iron. Like, you, he wants to be up against the best. And whether you like him or not, Bo Levi Mitchell is currently one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. So if Vernon can go in there and play a great competitive game against a guy, like to play that chess match, if you will, against the Bo Levi Mitchell, and if he can come out ahead of that, that is a huge, huge feather in the cap of Vernon Adams. And also, too, to be able to, to be responsible for the Alouettes clinching their first playoff berth in five years, if that doesn't get you hyped, I I, I don't know what will. So I, I definitely think Vernon Adams is going to come out and have a phenomenal game. Maybe not quite as phenomenal as the game from two weeks ago versus Winnipeg, but I definitely think he is going to come out Guns a-blazing, and I, I think it's going to be a very exciting game Saturday afternoon. I think it will, too. And we also, we're, when we're speaking, I was speaking to Greg Reed at the, at the, uh, at the, uh, the, the launch party yesterday over at uh, Off the Hook. He actually mentioned, we were talking about his last game versus Winnipeg and how he was mic'd up. Because he actually said he hadn't heard it yet. Um, and I said, he sounded great. I mean, it, it, the way that uh, the commentators were mentioning. But he, then he goes, he goes, I'm actually going to be mic'd up this week, too. So the game versus Calgary is going to be the uh, TSN mic'd up game this week. So um, it, it'll be, we'll have to obviously come back and watch the uh, uh, watch the replay of the game just to hear uh, uh, to hear what uh, uh, to hear what uh, uh, Greg Reed has to say during this game. So if, if, if it's anything, it's, you know, hey, if they're in a if they, if they can get up to get off to an early lead. Um and make this game, you know, competitive. Uh, it, it's going to be fun, I think, for for the entire weekend. Without question, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Vernon come back and play the way he has been playing. Uh, again, Montreal home games have always they they've been so much fun this year. 
I'm really curious to see is are we going to see close to another sellout like we did uh, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Like I, I want to believe that people are now buying into this team. They really do believe now that the, the hype is real on this team. And uh, again, I, I just I think it's going to be a really fun competitive game. And I, if could you imagine Tim if the Alouettes sweep the Calgary Stampeders in the season series like that? I don't. I, I can't even remember the last time that's that was even a possibility, but this year that, that could actually happen. I, I think Montreal plays itself so well at home that Calgary might come out with the win, but they're going to have to earn it. Like this is not going to be a blowout for either team. Uh, again, you you know what the cardiac kids can do. Like this is going to be a very a, another very tight competitive matchup, and uh, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a really really fun game. Win or lose. That's why I say like these Alouettes are providing you with so much entertainment. It's not even funny. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it, by the way, last time that the Alouettes did sweep, 2009. Oh, yes. So, again, look at what Montreal has done this year. Winning a huge game out in Calgary earlier this year. Winning in Moncton. If they can sweep Calgary, clinch that playoff spot. I'll tell you what, folks, be very excited. Be yeah. very, very excited. It should be fun. Should be fun. Um, before we leave, we want to at least mention that there have been some uh, some transactions and Cliff, you should have them in front of you. Just uh, let, let the fans know uh, what the Alouettes have been doing over the past couple of days. Well, uh, once again, uh, this is the time of year where you add to the practice roster and you also delete from the practice roster as you kind of make that playoff push and you you start seeing who uh, you'd like to see get more more opportunities to at least be a part of this Alouettes team. And so uh, on Tuesday, the Alouettes added uh, Christopher Amoa, uh, running back from the Université de Laval, to the practice roster. Uh, again, the, the guy has championship experience. He's been a part of the uh, Vanier Cup, uh, won it twice in 2016 and 2018. Uh, had a chance to uh, try to crack the Edmonton Eskimos roster and didn't quite do it. Uh, but uh, if he can get a chance, he's... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Montreal needs another running back, especially a national, but... Uh, Again, it doesn't hurt to have a good set of legs in the uh, on the practice roster. So, uh, welcome aboard, Christopher. Uh, a couple other additions uh, were uh, a couple guys. That, another couple of additions that were also uh, training camp invites and participants this, earlier this year. Uh, Jason Hall and Najee Murray uh, both uh, are back with the Alouettes on the practice roster. Uh, Najee Murray, uh, he's I found to be a very great athletic player. Uh, he definitely uh, comes in. Uh, he'll fit in well with his secondary. Uh, it's still a little tight. I don't know if you're going to quite crack the roster, but I mean, if he can get in and at least get some some work done on special teams, improve his worth, I can definitely see the Alouettes uh, giving him an opportunity or two. Uh, but of course, if you're going to add to the the secondary, that also means you're going to have to get rid of the second, a little part of the secondary as well. And that also means that, unfortunately, Marcellus Pippins, who had a very outstanding training camp, uh, was let go earlier this season and then added back to the practice roster and now, unfortunately, has been let go again. Uh, but again, this young man is definitely a very talented player, and I, I'd i be surprised, quite frankly, if another team doesn't pick him up for their playoff push. And if not, uh, he just may end up uh, being uh, drafted by the XFL. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, definitely... Uh, like I said, it's tough to let good, talented players go, but uh, that's just the way football is sometimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, enjoy the game. Um, uh, it, it should be fun. It may be a little bit cooler this week. It won't be as hot as it was uh, in the. I'm sure it won't be as hot weather-wise, but hopefully, it will still be hot on the field as it we're hoping for. Um, again, we are trying to set something up for next week's big centennial episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, stay tuned to our social media uh, to uh, for more details. Oh, and also, if you if you happen to miss it and you want to take a peek at the the merch that was sold, uh, and this is just, this is not a sponsored thing. Uh, anything that was sold and you happen to want to look and see and possibly get something that was uh, part of the uh, the John Bowman collection, head over to offthehook.ca. Uh, everything will be listed there, and uh, all the thing, all the items that they offered last night, less the bobbleheads, uh, which, by the way, I, I want to mention it before we leave too. Um, that uh, yeah, just head over there and take a look and, and go ahead and order them. Uh, speaking of bobbleheads, uh, this is something that we are going to be holding for the one hundredth episode. 
any fans, whether you be in the Montreal area or Alouette fans across the country or across the world, or even a, a fan just of the CFL in general, we have available that we're going to be giving away more details next week. Uh, we're going to be giving away one of the limited edition John Bowman bobbleheads that were given away at the at the game last week, uh, the last home game, uh, and also that were available in limited uh, limited numbers uh, last night at the launch of the Bowman Collection. So again, we will something that we will mention uh, and the details on how to win it next week. So so stay tuned. Uh, so. Uh, Cliff, I will see you at the game, and for you, the fans, so we hope to see you, if not in stadium, to see you here next week at the Flight Deck Pod. So for everybody here at the pod, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.